Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I want to talk about an issue that is very confusing to many HR professionals and employment lawyers. It relates to time off for medical reasons, all right? Most of us have heard of the Federal Family and Medical Leave Act and the California version, which is called the California Family Rights Act. There are other laws that allow time off for medical issues, for example, paid sick leave. In California, we have a Healthy Workplace, Healthy Families Act sick leave that allows employees to take time off for certain reasons related to illnesses of themselves or family members. We've also, of course, got COVID-19 supplemental sick leave in California. Those types of leaves are called statutory leaves because those are leaves of absence that are required by law. And there are a lot of rules about them, right? How long you get to take, how much notice you have to give whether or not your absence can be counted under your employer's attendance policy. Lots of different requirements and lots of different rules. Now, the other way that someone can take time off for a medical reason is as a reasonable accommodation. So remember, federal law, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and state law here in California called the Fair Employment and Housing Act, the FEHA, require employers to reasonably accommodate applicants who have a disability and need some sort of change in their regular job duties, their schedule, etc. Many employees who have a medical condition or disability, the accommodation they request is time off. They want to be able to take time off. Now, one of the things that comes up frequently is, okay, this employee would be eligible for statutory leave. Maybe they've worked at the organization for at least a year. They've worked 1,250 hours in the last 12 months. They need time off for surgery. They're going to be entitled to FMLA CFRA leave, right? Time off under the Family and Medical Leave Act and the California Family Rights Act. But what if they exhaust that time and they still need more? Now, remember, things like sick leave, California paid sick leave and COVID-19 supplemental sick leave, those provisions are interesting because they give employees both the right to take the time and a wage replacement benefit. The FMLA and the CFRA, on the other hand, give employees the right to take time off, but doesn't guarantee them any wage replacement. If they want to be paid when they're off, they either have to use accrued time that they have on the books, they've got to apply for state disability insurance, they've got to apply for the company's disability program. They're, they're going to need to get wage replacement benefits from another source, all right? But once the statutory leave is over and somebody needs more time, Time off is a form of reasonable accommodation. The difference between time off as a reasonable accommodation, though, and statutory leave 
is that there's no defined period of time when leave is a reasonable accommodation. In other words, you can't have a policy that says, well, when you've exhausted your FMLA CFRA leave, we're only going to give you 12 additional weeks off if you're entitled to a reasonable accommodation. If you can't come back to work after 12 weeks, you're done. Can't do that. What the law says about the duration of leave as a reasonable accommodation is that it has to be reasonable. It can't impose an undue hardship on the employer, right? Unlike the FMLA CFRA, there's no undue hardship analysis there, right? So you might be upset that Johnny's going to take his baby bonding leave between Thanksgiving and Christmas because you're a retailer. That's your busiest time of the year. But you don't get to say, hey, Johnny, it's not a convenient time for you to take that baby bonding leave. Because under statutory leave, there's no undue hardship. There's no undue burden. You don't get to balance your interests as the employer against the employee's interests. When you're dealing with leave as an accommodation, it is a case-by-case -case analysis. You cannot have what we call leave caps a maximum amount of time that the employee will be allowed to take. Now, in California, we have case law that says, look, if you give someone at least 12 months, you probably don't have to give them more than that. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you have to give them 12 months. It just means if you do give them 12 months, then you're, you're usually not going to have to give them more time. But you got to evaluate this case by case. So one of the things I always remind people, and we talk about this a lot in our intensive workshop on leaves of absence and reasonable accommodations, which is coming up, you really need to think about where you go first. And your first stop should always be statutory leaves. Once the statutory leave is exhausted, the employee has no additional time under the law, the statute, right? The, the mandated leave, if you will. Then if they are disabled, not if a family member is disabled, not to bond with a new child, but if they, the employee or applicant themselves has a disability and it's really just gonna be an employee, generally right because when you have an applicant they may be entitled to a reasonable accommodation but it generally won't be a leave of absence and they're certainly not eligible for the fmla or the cfra because they haven't met that length of service requirement so when you have an employee who has exhausted that statutory leave then you look at okay the case by case on how much leave is reasonable as an accommodation. And you have to assess that, as I said, on a case-by-case -case basis. We use a form for our employers called a Reasonable Accommodation Questionnaire, or a RAC. The RAC is directed uh, to the healthcare provider and asks that the provider answer various questions. The first of which is, does this individual have a disability? If they do, 
then we could talk about reasonable accommodation, right? But the first requirement for reasonable accommodation is that the individual actually is disabled. If they are not, if they are not unable to perform one or more of the essential functions of their job because of their disability, they're not entitled to an accommodation. So the first question we look at is whether the person has a disability. And then the RAC goes through a number of additional questions to help the employer determine what accommodations may be appropriate. Remember, we don't have to give the employee their preferred accommodation. We just have to give them a reasonable accommodation. So we want to find out from the healthcare provider what other accommodations might be appropriate, might be effective for this employee or this individual, even if it's not their preferred accommodation. So it's very important when you're looking at leave of absence issues to be able to know what bank to draw from first. And you always wanna go to the statutory leave first and then look at whether there is additional time off that the individual may be entitled to as a reasonable accommodation. Now, I know in this brief podcast, I'm making it sound overly simplistic. As any of you know who do this work on a regular basis, who have to evaluate people's accommodation requests and decide what is reasonable and figure out what you're going to communicate and what to do with the doctor's information and how to proceed, it's complicated. None of this is easy. None of this is straightforward. But there are a lot of tools that you can use to help you stay organized and to help you remember, all right, what's my order of operation, right? My daughter is learning algebra. An order of operation is very important, right? What do I do first? And the first thing I want you to think about is that statutory leave. Now, depending on what state you're operating in or where the employee is working, you may have different forms of statutory leave. No question. But I want you to be able to understand the big picture here if we are at the 30,000 foot level. So what you're always gonna do is look at your statutory leave first and then leave as an accommodation. And I know it sounds easy. I'm sure I've oversimplified it here. I know I have. But if you pull back a little bit and look at it from a 30,000 foot level, I think you're going to understand the value of just having a structure, a rubric of what you can do when you're sitting down and looking at these issues, where to start. Because I find that's one of the most difficult parts of this process is, okay, where do I start? What do I look at first? What documents do I need? What forms do I need? If you take this approach and you understand that you look at the statutory leave first, this is gonna be a much easier process for you. Obviously, you've got policies, you've got procedures, you've got a lot of other things you need to look at, but just remember to start with the statutory leave and you're gonna be way ahead of the game already. Thank you all for joining us here today. Hope to see you next time. 
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.